I'm Darian. I'm Elena, and this is our podcast, Step Into Success. Where we give you an inside look at how people are currently creating success in their respective fields. Our mission is to bring you into the trenches for an inside view and hopefully give some inspiration and knowledge as you work towards success in your own way. All right, so um, guest tonight is one of my dear friends, Trevor Dusen, coming from San Francisco, California. And uh, really, if you want to learn anything about blogging, journaling, photography, traveling. Uh, Trevor's been a huge inspiration to me. He's definitely got a lot of, lot of knowledge. So I want to give Trevor just a, a, a chance to quickly introduce himself, and then we're going to jump into this discussion and uh, excited for it. Thanks, Darren. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for having me on. Excited to have a, a good conversation. Um, yeah, I think primarily what we'll talk about today is a website I started a while back called Um, So I blog on there, trying to get some other products out there. I've been doing it for a while, uh, taking a lot of different tacks and, and strategies there. And um, yeah, a lot of it is based on my experiences traveling. Um, I've traveled a lot in my life. And so a lot of it is trying to bring that unique perspective uh, out into the world. Awesome. Awesome. So, so Trevor, I know you just kind of mentioned what the, um, you know, what Trevor Allen vision is. It's, it's a website, but it's, it's really more than a website, right? Like it's, you have an overall larger goal in mind. Can you just tell us a little bit, you know, what is Tre- Trevor Allen vision? You know, what is your, your plan and what is your goal? Yeah. Um, it has just been a website until now. Uh, so, you know, lots of lots of big plans um, that haven't come to fruition yet. But um, really, the you know, the web, the name of the website says it all. It's like Trevor Allen Vision. So my middle name is Allen. So that's me. It's kind of my vision for the world. Um, and not that I'm trying to change it all myself. I think one of the main taglines that you've probably seen on it is we can change the world. So it's trying to empower people to feel like they can affect positive change in the world. Uh, I can speak for myself that doesn't feel like that very often uh, in today's world with uh, media bombardments and all negativity that you see out there. Um, you know, social media kind of hijacking our attention system, everything like that. So um, it's really trying to inspire people to feel like they can change something, they can contribute to something. So a lot of what I've done thus far with my blogging is just trying to get that message out, um, kind of yeah, get, get the vision out, which um, as, as you've probably seen on there, um, I want to raise global consciousness. Uh, so I want us to think as, as one planet, uh, one rock, one species. That's kind of the first tenet of it. Uh, the second is to unite humanity. That goes pretty hand in hand, but we are one species. Um, and I think we can view ourselves that way to uh, make the planet better, make our lives better. And the last is kind of what I already touched on, inspire change. So those are kind of the three taglines of of the website um with we can change the world being we can do it or quote unquote ordinary people can do that with the technology we have today right yeah and i noticed that's obviously the first thing that that comes to the web uh comes to your attention when you jump on the website right is we can change the world i think it's a great tagline definitely uh you know catches your attention right so my next question trevor how did this whole idea start uh i mean when did you start it like actually the website and the blog 
but where did the inspiration come from? Where did the idea come from? And, and what got you going on this journey in the first place? Yeah, that's a, I should know that off the top of my head. I think I officially started website back in 2018. Um, and, you know, started blogging um, pretty consistently after that. And it was actually when I was doing around the world trip that I realized I had the time. So I'd quit my day job and I was um, just blogging, traveling. Uh, my, at the time, fiance and I had saved up money, both quit our jobs, we're traveling around the world. And I kind of had this epiphany that there was no reason I should not write every single day um, because I was traveling and experiencing the world. And I was taking in exactly what I wanted to try to also put out of like positivity and we're more similar than we are different, et cetera. All of these kind of messages that I, I try to write about. Um, so it was October, 2019. I can't, I'd have to look up the exact date, but you notice I had a run of basically for over three years. Um, I basically wrote something every day, published something every day. Right. Um, so before that, maybe I had written every day, but I was too nervous or scared or self-conscious or whatever to publish it. Um, and I think that was a, a good learning for me. So I'm not writing, I'm not publishing every day. I'm still writing every day and I'm trying to kind of recalibrate my focus. I realize I'm kind of not answering your question. Basically 2018 uh, is when it started <laughs> and uh, been working on it ever since. Uh, like I said, I have ideas for uh, merch, uh, my own podcast. Um, I've been working on a book in the background that I hope is going to be kind of the main revenue driver soon. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the timeline that we're looking at as past five years or so. That's awesome. So um, do you mind speaking to your book a little bit more? Is that something that's kind of like an amalgamation of everything that you've been working on in your blog posts? Is it something, you know, in addition to the the blog posts? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it's kind of both. So those core like that core central messaging that i that i've referred to already um a lot of that is is what's in my manuscript for lack of a better word now um so it kind of expands on that and it's called paradigms um and it's basically about how important paradigms are and how we see the world how our perspectives influence um, basically our our livelihood our experience in life so that's kind of the main um main theme of the book it does touch on those those three things about you know thinking as one planet one species and like inspiring change together um i i have lots of examples in that book that i pull out so i talk about like harry potter versus voldemort and luke versus anakin skywalker and these like really obvious pop culture examples um you know some movies obviously but also like great literature works where um you, know, you had really talented writer that uh, basically kind of explore the duality of characters right in fiction um i think those are really good backdrops to kind of explore how different ways we see the world on a local level uh, you know as as a country um, most people are, are pretty nationalistic still and think of like their identity their their country is a big part of that um so yeah that's the, the book kind of supplements a lot of what i've talked about um but it's gosh, it's so many words now. It's over 50,000 words. I need to cut it down before building it back up. So uh, it's in progress. Um, it has been for about three years now. Um, I'm looking to try to get it out next year. Awesome. Well, that's super exciting. Um, you kind of spoke to, you know, some of the things that you hope to accomplish with what you're doing. 
Uh, do you mind speaking to like any obstacles that you've faced in trying to spread this message to the world, trying to just, you know, really bring your vision, you know, out into the public and any like maybe obstacles or challenges, any pushback you've received from people? Yeah, um, definitely a lot of barriers, <laughs> uh, for sure. I think most of them have been internal at this part, at this point, um, so obviously, like, yeah, there's a lot of fear, right? There's there's fear of failure. There's fear of uh, being successful, even. Like, what what if this does take off? And oh my god, what if I become famous? I don't think I want that. That's obviously not my goal to become famous, but it's <laughs> it's both sides, right? Feel fa fear of failure, but also about like doing really well. Um, with that, another thing is balancing. I still have a an everyday job right now, so it's balancing like my time and my energy with that of okay, I'm 35 years old. Am I going to pursue this this world and product management that I'm in now and, and education, which is something I'm very passionate about? Or, you know, is this is TAV, you know, really something that I just want to go all in on and focus all of my energy? Well, how would I support myself and my family if I do that? Um, so I'd say that those two things, like fear um, of everything and trying to overcome that fear, and then balance of, okay, how does this fit into my life? And if it really is this important to me, um, I can make time. Right? I like I like that phrase of like make time. I'm not like, oh, I don't have the time. We all have the same amount of time. It's about what you make time for. So it's trying to figure out how can I pursue this? How can I uh, pursue something that I'm really, really passionate about uh, while still earning a living? Yeah, that's... um. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, Elena, that was a really good question because I was actually going to say, Trevor, let's take a step back um, before before you ask that question, because I, I think you, you hit on something that probably a lot of people struggle with when they're getting started. So when we ask, you know, how did this start? When did this start and all that? And you mentioned in there that, you you know, you had these fears and, and everything. Did you did you have a fear of the content that you put out that people wouldn't like it, that they wouldn't find it insightful, that they would like, you know, reject it, or it would, it would land on them like differently than you intended it. What was like, I guess, speaking of those fears of putting your content out, cause I imagine writing, like you, you put your heart into that. Right. So what was that, uh, what was that fear like? And, and how did you finally just say, you know what, I'm going to just do it and put it out there because I feel like that's something a lot of people probably would, you know, like some, some guidance on. Yeah. Uh, definitely had fear around that. Um, guidance, man. I don't know. I think you just got to figure out what works for for each person, you know, what works for you. Um, I definitely had a lot of anxiety about publishing and my photography too. Like I still have um, anxiety about both, but especially my photography, because I feel um, I still have a lot to learn technically, like from behind the camera. Um, I feel like I have some good instincts. Um, I've learned a lot already, but there's still a lot more to learn, uh, especially with photography, which I haven't been doing as long. I've only been doing that for, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, I've been writing my whole life. So um, definitely had that fear of, of putting it out there. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody along the lines of like a Tim Ferriss, but I don't think it was him where I heard I was listening to a, a podcast at, at one point and they said, basically just put your content out uh, because if it sucks, like nobody's going to see it for the first two years anyways, because it takes you a while to build up a following and everything. And that was just like a really um, 
a different take that I hadn't heard before because it was brutally honest, which, you know, I kind of like uh, <laughs> growing up playing sports and everything. I'm used to like being told I suck by coaches and whatnot. Um, so I think just hearing that and just knowing that you, you got to start at some point. Um, so that, that helped me of hearing like, well, even if uh, you suck at it the first couple of years, like not really that many people might not see it. I mean, depends on, right. you can look at it that way. You know? right. um, and even if people do see it, something that I always struggle with, because I've I mentioned like my writing or my publishing cadence, I'm still trying to hit a sweet spot with that is I know I'll feel worse if I don't do it than if I do do it. At least if I put it out there and if I, die next week or whatever i know that like there's something that i've left behind that i truly believe in and that i put out there and so even if it only helps like one person um you know like a family member or a really good friend and nobody else like i still think that was worth it so i think going back to like the why right simon sinek all that start with why like thinking about why am i doing this i think that's a, a huge part of it too it's just i'm doing it because i want to put put this out into the world and i want to contribute to like our world becoming better. Um, and if I don't do this, like, yeah, I guess I could be like nice to passerbys on the street or whatever and still do good in the world that way. But I feel like this is like a lever, a fulcrum in which I can do it more at scale. So, yeah. So have you seen your writing kind of evolve? You know, you said you've been writing your whole life. Like how has your writing grown from when you first started and maybe weren't publishing maybe just kind of keeping it more internal or, you know, in your own private, you know, writing journals or wherever you write computer nowadays. But um, how has that kind of grown for you as you've started publishing? Have you found that like your ideas are able to maybe expand a little bit more or do you write differently now that you, you know, you're going to be kind of publishing and speaking to a more public audience than if you're just journaling for yourself? How does that process look for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's definitely something I think about. And I, when I reflect back, I think my writing has definitely ebbed and flowed, right? It's shifted. I used to do for like most, almost a, a, a year, I was doing like couplets. I was doing three couplets for, for a blog post. Um, and it wasn't like poetic in a sense that they weren't rhyming or anything, but they were, they did have, um, I did focus on like the diction and the rhythm of the writing to be short and sweet and super consumable, consumable by whoever's reading it. Um, so I, I don't do that anymore. I might return to it, but that was like one example of an exploration that, that I was doing for a while. And it challenged me. Um, I've always been super wordy. I've been told that my whole life by anybody who's read my writing. So um, I do think that that is part of my voice as a writer. And again, that has kind of evolved and shifted over time, but I still think I have a strong voice and some of that is being wordy. Um, however, especially the past year or so, I really focus on less is more and how can I eliminate words? How can I take take the, the fluff out, right? Like what is the, what is the core if I'm trying to communicate, um, you know, this is kind of dirty now, right? But like getting more into active voice than passive and um, just being, you know, shorter sentences and, and basic things like that um, is very different how I used to write, you know, two years ago, three years ago. So I'm not sure if I'm answering my, your question. Um, I've definitely noticed like changes in my writing over time. 
Um, and I think there will always be changes. I think if it's something you do, just like speaking, our mannerisms, you know, shift over time, what have you, um, you know, our, our perspectives change. So I think writing should always change and something that's always going to be introspective in, in a way. Yeah, that's a great point. So Trevor, I know that you love education. You already mentioned it. Um, you do a lot of writing. How important do you think writing is um, for like as like humans in general and also our society? Uh, to add into that question, I know your wife is a, is a teacher. Do they, you know, are they teaching journaling to, to children at a young age? Do you think they should be? Where, you know, where is the state of journaling in our society? Do you think it's like a, a lost art or do you think it is still prevalent? Ooh, uh, how much time we got? Uh, <laughs> um, for me personally, I've I've always felt that I have communicate I communicate better in writing, and I don't think that's true for everyone. But for me, growing up in like grade school, I always felt more confident in being able to express myself in writing. That sounds kind of weird, right? Because you talk every day, but you can plan out what you're going to say. You can really think about it. You can marshal arguments. You can in a way express more because I, I don't, because you have that time and you're not, um, yeah, your, your voice, like your writing voice is impacting how your message is being communicated, but your, you know, facial expressions aren't there and your body language and, and these other, th these other cues that, you know, we subconsciously just kind of pick up and override a lot of times with the actual words people are saying. Um, so, yeah, writing has, uh, I think, long form writing and just writing in general, I think is very important to critical thinking. Um, I think it's it's really important to think deeply about something and think about how to persuade somebody uh, about something, how to argue something. So I think that is really important. Um, I think it's the Wild West now, man, with, with technology and uh, like uh AI coming out and um even just like um, audio, like recording how people, a lot of people like interact with like Siri more than actually like writing a note on their phone, right? That's like a, a more right. recent shift of like what Alexa, Siri, whatever you want to call it, um, is diff you know, different than before that where we weren't writing on our phones. My wife's a kindergarten teacher, so they're pretty young. You know, they're five and six years old. They do do, they do sentence structures will show model something and then they have to to write to express themselves like I like this because whatever like very basic sentences but I still think it's important because it's another avenue of expression but also learning and getting our brain to to think like with how the the world works with how we've set up the world with everything um they talk about with language learning right like the four different modes of communication there's the active the speaking and writing and there's the passive listening and reading and so all four of those skills offer different different things right and i think it is important that we keep it up in our society like i'm not so much of like got to keep writing in cursive or handwriting like i'm i'm, I'm cool let that go yeah. um yeah. even like you know my writing has shifted to like i used to write a lot more by hand uh you've probably seen some of that in my posts but I mean, when I was in college, I would just, <laughs> it's probably not good to say, I would, uh, a lot of times I would write papers the morning of, um, yeah. and I would just like put my head down on the desk and just like for like 45 minutes, just bang one out and it would, you know, just write like a, a five, eight, 10 page paper. Um, 
And it was just a lot, but it was just different, right? Than me, if I had to go talk to the professor one-on-one and, and try to explain everything, I probably would get jumbled. So I do think we need to keep, keep an emphasis on writing. I think it is really important. Um, I think especially with how we consume media now, like social media and everything is these bite-sized chunks. And it's, I find myself more easily swayed now. And part of that is the construction of, of content now online, but it's also, uh, it's just our, our feedback loops of our brain. We're just reading things so quickly and just like, oh, you just kind of accept it as truth instead of actually thinking about, wait, 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 wait what is this person actually saying? Or like, what, where's the fact here? Or like, you know, what, what are they citing? Um, so I think it's especially true. Who knows what the wild west of like, I keep on mentioning like AI and everything, but um with how much media consumption has changed, uh, I think it's especially important because I think um, we need to think critically. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of noise out there now, right? So finding that signal amongst the noise is is much more difficult, I think, than it ever has been. When you say like we're, you know, connected but also disconnected, can you kind of go into a little bit more of like? How does writing help you connect from out here and all the noise that you're talking about and bring it to find like your voice and to kind of tune into that and reconnect in a world where maybe we're a little bit kind of scattered? Yeah, um, I, I think it goes back to like the writing process. And, you know, so we're bombarded all the time with content and ads and just everything um was it like i think it was scott fitzgerald that said like somebody uh, uh, an intelligent person somebody hold two opposing ideas in their head at the same time something like that i'm probably butchering that quote but i see a lot of the writing process is uh that's what it is for me um is you you consume things or or you just contemplate and reflect on things you you're kind of opening your your channels to like receiving right and you're you're receiving things and then you need to formulate whatever your opinion is or whatever you, whatever you're trying to communicate is and that writing's really hard um i mean writing's hell in so many ways and there are many a day where i am writing i've written two sentences i'm like and i want to like get up to go get water or get up to like just like no like I, I force myself to sit there because like, no, you have to like, what am I trying to say? Why am I trying to say that? Like, where am I getting that from? And it's like that, that really, I keep on saying critical thinking, but it's that process of like marshalling your thoughts and, and making a logical communication about what you're trying to say. And I think that's hard and it's different than just a short form of just like, you know, typing on your phone, a, a reply to a tweet or whatever they're called now on x yeah, I um i yeah I, I don't know what you call it so um or yeah i don't know i i think there's still something to be said about that kind of miracle that happens of your brain if you're taking in information somehow you're doing something in your head and then you either with your with your hand writing on a piece of paper or putting it back into a computer like you're putting something back out there it's it's just it's old school, I guess, but it's it's different than I think other um, content production or content communication mediums. Yeah, for sure. So just you kind of mentioned that you write every day. Um, how long do you tend to write? And like, 
is it, you know, you said you kind of write two sentences, you might want to, you might get distracted some days or whatever, but are there days where you're just like in the zone and just going at it kind of stream of consciousness for like two hours or, um, do you know, is it a little bit more like methodical where you sit down with a purpose and intent? Like I want to, you know, really think this topic through and, and really say something about it. How does that look on a daily basis for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, it varies to, to be honest for me, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what works and it depends on what's going on with me. Um, you know, in my, in my life, I do appreciate, okay. I can't remember who, who said this. My event, Stephen King was like, you got, you can't just wait for brilliance to come. You have to treat it of like, if writing is important to you, if you're trying to create like a larger work, like a book, like you got to sit down and do it every day. You can't just like, Oh, I'll wait for you know, when the muse hits me. And that might be Thursday. Like, no, you got to sit down with purpose each day of like, okay, I want to write something. Um, but yeah, there are days where it's a struggle to put five sentences together. And then there are days where, yeah, you know, for two hours straight, you're just head down and just and just writing. Now, 75% might be crap later, but that's what the editing process is for. Um, it, you know, sometimes it's helpful just to get it out and things line up to get it out. Um, I like writing in the morning. I'm like more of a morning person. And so um, I like that one because I think I just think clearer just on my circadian rhythm. But also there's less chance of of things getting in your in your way um what i mean is like information um so it's really easy if like if you don't write until like noon each day well have you checked the news that day have you been on social media like if you talk to people have you like read stuff online like how much have you consumed already and maybe you know there's times where that's good but if i want to if i know what i'm working on and a lot of times i'll work on a post for a couple days now where like each day i'll kind of chip away at it so i kind of already know what i'm writing and so i want to sit down with a, a very clear clear slate in the morning of like both for my mind like just mentally biologically but also no consumption i use those words a lot for myself like don't yeah. you know con consuming is like natural and of course but um I get mad at myself when I have an, when I feel I have an imbalance of I'm consuming so much and I'm not producing anything. Um, I think that's what we're here to do in life, I think is contribute. So. Yeah. yeah that's a really interesting perspective about kind of just like that dichotomy of just existence is, you know, how much are you taking in versus how much are you, are you putting out? And I think that kind of speaks to your vision of, you know, just trying to really put out some, some good into the world and, you know, maybe counteract a little bit of just, the world consuming all of them. So very cool. Very cool to hear that. Yeah. And I like what you said about, um, you know, you have to just kind of make things happen rather than, you know, waiting for the inspiration all the time. Um, funny story, actually. So Trevor actually taught me something several years ago. Um, it's kind of random, but it kind of fits in. But the point is, if you got to eat a frog, you got to do it like first thing in the morning, right? Like it's got to be like the first thing you do. So, um, anyways, but, uh, Mark Twain right there. Yeah, man, that's, that, that's always stuck with me. Um, but anyway, so as far as some of your writing particularly goes, so I'm a, I am a consumer of your content. I love Trevor Allen vision. Um, everybody, you got to make sure to check it out. We're going to get into photography in a bit too. Some of the most gorgeous pictures ever, but, just to dive into kind of your thought process and a little bit of like your, your creativity, you got a couple of posts that I found really interesting that I just wanted to, to ask you to, to elaborate on if you, if you don't mind. Um, one of them is phones can save the world. 
can you can you tell me what was that post like? Can you tell talk more about that post and and what what that meant? And... Yeah, um, I have noticed a change in my behavior, my day to day behavior since owning a cell phone, um, a smartphone. I should clarify there, a smartphone, uh, which is every phone now. Uh, I think I tell in the in the post the, the first time I got a, a smartphone was the iPhone five when I was living in Beijing. Um, and I, I don't, it was required by our company a little bit, um, later. If, I don't know if you remember that, but this was before then it was just, okay, everybody has this smartphone thing. Like I got to get in on this type of thing. Um, and it was more of just, you know, the, the marketing back then was like, look at all these things your phone can do. And it's so amazing. And what I was, that was back, I think they had the apps commercials, right? Like there's an app for that and all that stuff. Right. Um, and I remember reflecting that my behavior had shifted. I used to journal a lot more in a physical little book. I used to carry around like a little tiny notebook, um, both when I was living at home after I graduated school, when I lived in um, South Africa, and then also when I lived in, in China and in Beijing, um, I would carry that around. And I it was a journal in a sense, but it was just a way for me to kind of... Um, express just my mood my thoughts anything like i remember i would take you know the, the largest subway network in the world beijing like riding the subway around the city going to work whatever and, you know i would doodle on there i would draw a lot i'm not a particularly great artist but uh you know i would just draw stuff sometimes things that i would see sometimes just designs i was learning a lot reading uh about and learning a lot about chinese like history chinese culture and so i would draw like dragons and stuff and and just right. in my book and i would um, also write things, um, just, you know, things that I was thinking about, things that I was feeling. And can I definitively say, say oh, that was healthier, that was better, quote unquote, maybe, maybe not, like, I don't know, I just know that that was slowly, I wouldn't actually, not even really slowly, it was pretty quickly replaced by just my device. And then I would start to, um, you know, write on there. Um, but what else is easy to do on your phone? Oh, play a play a game. Uh, what was it? Temple Runner or Temple Run? I think that was like big back in the day. Uh, so play that on the subway because that's yeah, Angry Birds. I never really played a ton of Angry Birds, yeah. but uh, yeah. Or um, you know, I would study like Chinese on my phone uh, with that. Uh, wasn't the Pleco app? It was a different one, but anyway, one of the apps that they used to have. Like I would do that, but. I would do the same like with my journal where I'd like practice writing characters and, and all these things. So it's not like everything I did on the phone was bad, but I just felt a shift. And then when I was writing that post recently, I was like, man, that was, I mean, I'd, I'd have to look up when it was 2011, I think 2012. So it's been 10 years of me having a, a smartphone now and um, smartphones have evolved. Like the hardware is amazing in so many ways of what we can do, but it's, it's, I think it's also organized by uh, companies that want to make money, which is not inherently a sin, but um, I think we just kind of got on this track as a world of like, oh yeah, smartphones are good and look, you can take pictures and you can talk to anyone anytime, anywhere, and that's great. Um, and it's really just kind of shifted how we behave on a day-to-day -day basis. I feel like there's less like just deep contemplation or being bored during the day. I think being bored is actually really healthy for you and really good. Yeah. Um, I, I struggle with being bored now because I'm just used to those dopamine hits, like going all the time. Sure. So 
it's not an attack on like phones themselves. I just think we jumped in to this, um, this amazing hardware and software evolution of like what's possible technology, but we haven't stepped back and like, wait a second, like, is this good? Is it good that like our babies are like, I've literally seen babies who can swipe and pinch and stuff like they can barely do that physically like you know like fine motor skills and then they're or they're doing it i mean as soon as they do it's like they're doing it and they like know how to operate an ipad yeah. i'm like whoa that is wild and i'm not saying it's a bad thing but i don't know if it's a good thing and i just feel like there's less uh reflection on that of oh you know i don't think anyone well maybe people have said phones can save the world i think people are like yeah like look at this it's amazing what we can do with this technology now but have we also thought like what if we just disconnect a little bit more um how would that change the world now like knowing what we know now um it doesn't necessarily mean like putting the phone down even per se maybe it's just re-engineering our phones so they're less addicting and you know are are built and there's companies that do that um but it's very much the like the minority thinking most people just give me the latest and greatest iphone android whatever it is and yes it can make your life better in some ways i love being able to talk to like my grandparents across the country just hop on a facetime call when they're able to actually work it properly, you know, <laughs> to get on. But like, that's amazing. They're 88 years old. And like, that's awesome that I get to still kind of spend time with them in a way, like when I don't live in the same state as them. Um, but there's pros and cons to everything. And so I, I think it's just easy to fall into the hype of like technology will solve all of our problems. And I don't think that's true. I think it can help solve a lot of our problems, but we're the ones that will solve our problems. And I think we need to remember to like, remain in control i think it's especially keep on mentioning this like with ai now and everything it's like we're almost on a runaway train here that i think again none of these things are, are bad per se but it's just kind of like okay wait where are we doing this why are we doing this like how does this help how does it not help um that was a lot of rambling but yeah it's basically about the pro like recognizing the cons of technology as well and how it's literally rewiring our brains um, and how that affects us as people. No, I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, kind of some of your answer to that is a really great segue into the next question that I wanted to ask you about or the next post that you that you wrote that I, that I wanted to ask you about, which is live slow, do less. You know, we live in this world where you have all these gurus that are talking about hyper productivity. I just got through reading a book by Grant Cardone about the 10X rule or whatever. And it's just, there's so much out there. So, you know, can you elaborate on that a little bit more about the live slow, do less, what you, what you meant by that and what your you know intention behind that is? Yeah. Uh, I think that that blog post I wrote has a lot to do with what we were just discussing of slowing down, consuming less, being bored, um, I just feel it expands your your life experience. It doesn't mean you got to be a monk and sit around all day and do nothing, you know, stare at a wall or, or whatever. Um, but I I just I notice a difference in how I feel and how I experience life when I take my time when I'm eating. I know this is also very prevalent now too of like mindfulness and being present. Um, but it's kind of remarkable to me. Like life is amazing. And the universe is amazing. And when you just shut up and just take it all in and and aren't fixated on your phone, um, 
I, I don't know, magic, like this sounds so corny, like magic happens. Like um, just, I think I wrote how like uh, meals are more enjoyable. They like, and this is just eating by yourself. Like if you're eating with another person, like your partner or something, like it's, it's incredible. And you just, I get why every culture in the world like sits down for a meal. And that's how we, every culture celebrates like holidays and traditions and, and festivals is because when you sit and do that wine, we didn't have food just like at our leisure, you know, 2000 years ago, whenever we wanted. So that was a big deal to like save that food and eat it together. But uh, it's just most incredible experience where you just so focused on that other person or the this group of people enjoying like sustenance and you can feel like the texture and like, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's underrated. I'll say that. And I still, that used to be something that I was really good at. It was like mindful eating and I'm trying to get back and, and be better at it. Like no phone, no music, no nothing. I think I also wrote there like days that I consume nothing until noon. I also notice a big difference. If I do that three, four days in a row, I feel very different. My mind is clear. Um, I feel like I'm more creative. I'm more present in my relationships. And when I say no consuming, I'm like no music, no podcasts, no, no, no reading on the phone, no nothing until noon. And you can do whatever you want after that. Like that's how I try try to get myself to do it. Um, I haven't experienced yet with just music. Like I think music is different than than something like a podcast or like reading an article on something. But um, I've I've realized that it kind of goes with like living slow, and it's almost like this physics thing where time just passes by differently and you like you get more of your day when you're living slowly um and that's kind of as you mentioned there it's like the antithesis of what a lot of preach now like go 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 fast 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 and you know how productive can you be and yeah maybe that's a good way to be productive and, um towards a goal and ends to a mean towards something but i don't think that's how we're biologically built to live our lives so I was just kind of convey a little bit of that there of, of what I know to myself and that I think if lots of people do it um, or more people do it, like we'll, we'll kind of be more patient with each other, right? More compassionate um, because we'll be more, more present and, and understanding of like what somebody's actually saying or doing when we're communicating with them. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It almost is like, you know, you, you'd kind of said, it, time passes slower. I wonder if people could actually be achieving more because with that slowed down time, there's it's more intentional. Would you say that that's kind of like your experience with that slowing down? It's kind of funny. I've actually also recently been revisiting that like mindful eating and it really, it does make such a difference. Even just like being present with your food, that's your nourishment and just being intentional about nourishing your body. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, that was a neat way to hear that word. I like, that. I think intentional is a great word for it. I, I also like these things that we're talking about, every single person on the planet can like consider thinking this way, right. Or to like adopt something. I, I'm not trying to convert anybody to anything, but all these things that we're talking about are things that literally anyone on the planet can do. It doesn't matter like what culture you are, what age you are, what gender you are, whatever. And I think that's again, like going back to like raising global consciousness, you name it, like we we have so much in common and we have more things in common than we have different about us. And if we kind of like return to that, 
returns may be a bad word because we were never one united species as far as we know in our civilization history but like I think with leveraging some of this technology, we can return to these things that make us human and that will make everything better for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. So a, kind of a, a transition in, in, in the conversation, all that's been really great, Trevor. I appreciate you sharing your insight on that. But as anyone who goes and checks out TrevorAllenVision.com is going to notice is the photography. Um, not just saying this because you're a guest on our on our podcast, but honestly, it's it's the best photography that that I've seen. Um, absolutely love the work. It's it's awesome. You said you haven't been doing photography as long as you've been journaling. When did you get into to, to photography? And like, how did you know that you wanted to start exploring that world and learning how to take pictures and and expressing yourself that way? Like, how did that come to be? Yeah. Uh, thank you for the compliment. I, I really enjoy it. I think it, I wasn't huge into pho photography growing up, but when I would go on a trip, I would have like a cheap little camera and would take photos. And I think when I really got interested in it was actually not when I got my, like, I still don't even have like a full frame camera. Like I still haven't dropped the money on like, like, you know, a top of the line camera. I really want to believe me. Um, but I haven't. Um, so it wasn't like getting a, a, a newer camera or like a really good camera because my camera is still like average at best. It's it was I think I think it was when I dropped any fear of like taking pictures. Am I still okay? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Mm -hmm. Um, so it started traveling, and I think it was when I was no longer scared to take pictures. Now you have to be careful of like taking pictures of people and things like that, but I when we go up to the city, San Francisco, like I am not scared to like walk around my camera and I just, I love doing street photography and I don't care what people think of me when I'm saying, I'm just taking a picture, you know? Um, so that, that was a big element of it that kind of like opens the doors to me of like, Oh, this is really cool. Got me interested in it. Um, and then I think once I be became fully comfortable, it was about, really being in the moment, like photography is this really cool thing where you're capturing this one moment in time. If you do still photography, like I, like I do. Um, so you're capturing this, this one instance and it's from this perspective of your camera, which is usually your perspective, not always, but, and you can capture more than just like the imagery of like what's happening. You can capture like this moment in time and this feeling. I feel like if you take a really good picture, um, depending on what the subject is, like, people can kind of feel what was happening and, and just get a sense of like, Oh, I wasn't there, but wow, that's really, you know, they can be struck by it and it can like make them, make them think. So that's, I think breaking down that boundary of like being anxious or whatever of taking photos. Um, and then also once I got comfortable, really just being in the it sounds so corny, but like being in the moment while taking, taking photos and like, it's, it's just, I, it's not even like the, the moment you snap the lens, it's all of it. It's like your walk up to the subject and figuring out what shot you want and, and taking it and then seeing it later. I usually don't edit my photos for like another few days. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like I remember that thing. And it's yeah. that whole process of it. I really enjoy. So Very cool. I highly recommend it. <laughs> so what, uh, what inspires you? Like when you're just out and about, like you said, you kind of go to the city, you like doing the street photography. Is it those, 
you know, real, real time moments that you're just like, Oh, I have to capture that. Or do you ever have times where you're like, you know, there's this really cool spot. I want to revisit that and be like more intentional, almost like staging photos. Like how do you approach taking your photography? Yeah. I've definitely become more patient over time. I used to take so many photos and then editing sucks when you have a thousand photos of this, of, of four things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've definitely gotten better about taking less. Uh, the, like, I think one of my most recent blog posts was the Golden Gate Bridge. My wife and I went there. We like, like walking there, even though it's a really touristy spot. Um, I only took like, a hundred photos of the bridge, whereas like four years ago or something, I would have taken like a, literally a thousand photos of the bridge. Um, so I am more intentional. Um, I think it depends on what I'm shooting. So I do like shooting like architecture and architecture is a big part of like when I do street photography. Um, but I also really like landscape photography. When we hike, I, I take the camera and I love shooting landscapes. And that's, again, different than I think the other kind of main photography that I do is wildlife photography, which is very different. Of you got to be ready. You have to, like, set up your shot or at least know kind of what you're looking for. And you have to be ready because, like, it's a wild animal. You can't, you know, like, wait, 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 wait. Can you yawn again so it looks like you know, you're roaring so I can take your picture? Um, so it depends on what, what I'm shooting. But with street and landscape photography, I love just getting lost in it. And so in being more intentional, like I'm still kind of wandering, but I won't take 10 photos in that minute. I'll take maybe one or I won't. And I'll like walk around to a different uh, vantage point and like compare that and then go back. Right. So, um, being patient, I think like while still being in the moment, so you're not like, I'm not hunting the best shot or anything. It's just, I want to capture kind of everything that I'm seeing and feeling like in that moment, no matter what the subject is. Very cool. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. So, got a I got a kind of a unique question for you, I guess, with with you know you traveling and, and being intentional and everything. Do you ever, um, but also loving photography, right? Do you ever go to a place, take pictures, and then go back to that place without a camera to like experience it, just like without mm -hmm. like through the lens, or do you kind of do both at the same time? Do you think one takes away from the other or do you think that they are, you know, intertwined? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think it definitely can take away. And so it depends what the trip is, like what the quote unquote, like destination is of where, if I'm going to shoot or not. Um, I am a lot better if like, there's times where I just don't take the camera. Um, now, if I think there's any chance where I, I, I'm really going to want one photo there, like I will haul the camera for four hours or whatever, all day, whatever, just for that one shot. Um, I think a, a trick that I've learned, too, is you can do one and then the other. So it drives me crazy when you go to like anywhere, like the Grand Canyon or somewhere and you see people like walk up to it. Wow. And then they go and they, they take a selfie and then they don't even like turn back around and walk away. I'm like. Uh, Yo, this is the Grand Canyon behind you, you know? Uh, um, yeah, so what I found is you do one, and I go back and forth on which one I prefer. Sometimes, like, if I'm walking up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, I will keep the camera down and I'll just enjoy it for 15 minutes and, like, walk around, whatever. If I'm, like, with my wife, we'll, like, talk about it, whatever. Um, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to take some, and I'll tell her, okay, I'm going to shoot now. Sometimes I do the opposite where 
I could just, I don't know, feel, I feel the moment strike. I could just feel it. And so like, I just go up and I, I do my thing, take photos, but then again, I'll put it down and enjoy it. So I think that's important of like a good balance. If you're willing to haul the gear, which does get old sometimes, um, if you're willing to haul the gear, like, yeah, either at first or afterwards, like put the camera down and also just experience it. Um, but I think what I was saying about like being the moment while shooting that does negate some of it where I'm not just hunting for a photo. I'm like, I'm enjoying the, the whole thing. So there's, there's balance to it. Yeah. That's makes total sense to me. Do you have some favorite um, spots that you've taken some of your like, you know, most beloved photography Is there like a spot that stands out for you? I, 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 the world's this, I mean, that's no tagline I use. Like it's one big, beautiful, amazing world. Um, there's not a particular like city or even like country really that comes to mind. Like they're all, they're, it's all different. It depends on, on what you like. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of the, um, the top of the line gear, like I don't have like really big zooms or anything to do some of the wildlife photography that I'd like. So like, I feel pretty limited technically on what I can do with wildlife. But um, when you, in order to, I, I think in order to do good wildlife photography, you have to like sit with the animal or animals and like be with them. And so I, I really do enjoy that part of the wildlife photography of like, yeah, I might have to take, a bunch of shots to get like what I like with the backdrop or whatever. But during that whole time, you're, you're just enjoying with them. Um, and that's kind of like how we gravitate on our, our trips is more like wildlife, nature, getting outside. Um, so I'd probably say that, but I, I love shooting anywhere. I'll, I'll shoot anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I think that's awesome. So, so Trevor, let me ask you this real quick. So obviously you travel a lot, um, have traveled a lot. I met you, uh, when you were living overseas in China. Um, now that you are into photography the way that you are, does does your photography or pictures you want to take determine places that you now travel to? Do you, do you pick places that you want to travel just for the photo ops as well? Is that part of it, um, how you determine you, where you want to travel? To be honest, not really, I don't think. Um, we we like to go to new there's so much that we haven't explored yet so we tend to choose places we haven't been yet um again it's not necessarily to check it off on, on a box but just oh we haven't been here yet like let's explore this this region of the world um so, but no i i think that's why like landscape street wildlife they're very different and i have different competencies of various aspects of all of those um different types of photography so no, I just shoot wherever, uh, wherever we go, like just wherever it takes us. Um, and yeah, there's, there's so much to learn for, with photography. You gotta, yeah, you have to shoot differently depending on the lighting and just where you are, like how much water is in the picture, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's fun. I just, I'm always learning, have a lot more to learn. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't we all, um, <laughs> So Trevor, I guess I guess in, in kind of wrapping this up, uh, I, I just want to ask you this 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 last question of uh, you know how does writing, photography, travel, 
all kind of intertwine to really accomplish the mission of Trevor Allen vision? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I have to think about that. Um, I think travel affords people unique opportunities and unique perspectives on the world. I remember I asked my grandma this, uh, that same 88-year-old grandma, about to be 89 next month, actually. Oh, wow. uh, and her her and my grandpa, they lived all around the world. Like They lived from like the 60s to like the uh, 2000s. They lived in probably 15 different countries. He was a civil engineer, and so they like lived all over. Um, so a lot of like the traveling chops that I inherited, I got from them because my dad, that meant my dad grew up all around the world. And so when I was growing up, like him, my mom liked to travel and they, they, we went places with them. Um, so very fortunate. So I recognize that travel is still expensive. It's still difficult to do. Uh, but I had asked her, um, and it's getting cheaper all the time, but I had asked her one time, I said, you know, grandma, what, um, what do you think would like be really good just for education? Like if, if like, if you could teach one class to kids or, or like if they could have one experience, what do you think it would be? Um, and she said, I think every, and she wasn't particular about the age, but she was like, every fifth grader should go live in a different country for six months or whatever, because that would really just broaden your, your horizons, your perspective. Um, so I think a lot of what I write about and why I write about it, just of how my life has gone. And why I like photography and what I try to shoot tries to show that it is an incredible world. It's one big, beautiful, amazing world. Like it, I tell people all the time, like, um, you know, like Star Wars, right? Like they have like the ice world, Hoth, and then they have Musfar, the, the, the volcano world and all, all this stuff. Earth has all of that. Like we, like everything that's in any sci-fi movie, it's inspired by something on Earth, Pandora, Okay, like there, we have the Amazon rainforest, right? Like we have volcanoes and like Iceland, and uh, we have these vast deserts and and coastlines, and it's just it's wild. Um, and we have and we have we have elephants in the world. Like how cool is that? Like there's this thing called an elephant, and they're like the most badass animals. Like I, they're some of my favorite animals. So I kind of gravitate more to these like gentle animals, like like elephants and whales and turtles. Like they're so cool. Um, rambling again but i think travel affords a unique perspective and i think if i can show that through my photography uh if i you know reflect think critically about the world and how potentially we could um think more together i think travel affords that and so i think that's a key element to it um i still they say uh every astronaut who's ever gone up like when, when they see the earth, you know, like the blue marble from the space station or whatever, it's like completely changed their, their perspective on their life and, and everything, uh, understandably. And I feel that, and if we could do that for a field, field trip for like every, I mean, start with what we control better, like maybe in the US, every American kid in eighth grade goes up to the space station and sees the earth, like, I don't know how we afford it, but man, I think that would change things real quick. I think people would be like, oh, oh, yeah, like there are no lines like it's just just one one world. Um, so I know I rambled a, a little bit there, but I truly believe in like this vision and this mission that we are more similar than we are different. Like travel validates that if you go anywhere on the world, we all laugh, smile, cry, dance for the same reasons. Um, 
and it's a, it's a beautiful place and I think we can continue to make it better. So. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's really great. Trevor, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Um, had a great conversation. Love the insight. Um, just want to thank you for your time and, you know, for anyone that has not checked it out, you got to check out trevorallenvision.com, the photos, the writing, everything. It's awesome. Definitely, uh, you know, inspiring and, and eye-opening for sure. So Trevor, again, we just really appreciate the time. Thank you, yeah. Thank you both for having me. This was great. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, us too. Thank All right. you. We'll talk to you again soon.